Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts. The New Testament book of Acts. Acts and chapter number 20. The book of Acts and chapter number 20. We are currently in our church finishing up a series called The Shepherd and the Sheep. That happens to be our theme this year. And so we took some time at the beginning of the year to go ahead and examine the idea of the shepherd and the sheep. Of course, the idea of the shepherd and the sheep, lambs, flock, that is used over a hundred times in the Word of God. And that is often used to describe God's relationship to us, that we are the sheep. And he is the shepherd. And the beginning part of this series, we show that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. In addition, we also examined in this series that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And that in the Old Testament, he's pictured as the Lamb. In the New Testament, he's declared as the Lamb. And now we're in another segment within this series of the shepherd and the sheep that describe the seer the the opportunity, the job, the position of the under-shepherd and the principle of shepherding the flock. And so with this, we're going to examine what the Apostle Paul gave warning to the Ephesian elders. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Acts in chapter number 20. The book of Acts, chapter number 20, and if you don't mind, let's pick it up in verse number 16. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 16, the Word of God says this, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come <coughs> to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner... <coughs> I have been with you in all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying of weight of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men." For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock 
over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Acts? The book of Acts in chapter number 20. Notice if you don't mind, Acts 20 and verse 29. And notice the phrase, grievous wolves. Grievous wolves. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message with a little bit different title tonight on blowing the whistle on the wolves. Blowing the whistle on the wolves. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house tonight. To be able to open up your word and to be able to see the clear warnings that you gave us through your precious word. I'm asking that tonight would be used in a special way to protect your flock, to protect your sheep, to protect your people. And that you would help us to identify wolves, to avoid wolves, to mark them. And that they could have no power and that they would not destroy any of the churches that are represented from the sound of my voice. Again, I recognize that I have no power of myself. I don't have the intellectual skills. I don't have the oratory skills. I don't have the ability to do the work that needs to be done. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you. And beg that you fill me with your precious spirit. For the purpose that you get your own work accomplished tonight through your precious word. That everything that's said and done would be to your glory, to your honor. And that you would strengthen and help churches even now. We love you. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. In the context, the Apostle Paul is heading back to Jerusalem. He's already been warned several times that when he goes back to Jerusalem, he is going to be bound He's going to be arrested. All these things are going to happen to him. But regardless, he's on his way anyways. And as he stops by, he's in a hurry to get back because he wants to make it before Passover. And he hits the city of Miletus. And there he sends a runner to go to the elders of Ephesus and say, come and go talk to the uh, to the Apostle Paul. He wants to see you one last time. And oh how the Apostle Paul loved the church of Ephesus. And how he started those churches. And how he ran a Bible institute. And from that place. That in the space of two and a half years. All of Asia. The area of Turkey. Had heard the gospel. And he spent so much time. And he loved those folks there. And so he stops by. And he gives them a warning. And he pleads with them. And gives a review of some things that occurred. And Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. We often call this the 2020 vision. That he said I taught you publicly. And I taught you house to house. That he had a public ministry. But he also wasn't afraid to go door to door. To tell people and declare unto them. The Lord Jesus Christ. And verse number 24. Knowing that these things are going to hit him. He declared that none of these things move me. How would you know. How would you feel if you knew that you were going to die. Would that affect the way that you see things. If you knew in the future what God was going to do in your life. Would you perhaps not have followed the Lord as closely as you might have. Knowing the things that may be full of you. But he said none of these things move me. And verse number 26 the apostle Paul tells the church. 
that's represented there, that he was pure from the blood of all men, that he has declared the gospel, that he does not have bloody hands, that he has blown the trumpet, he has warned, he has done his duty. Remember that it is not our responsibility to save everybody, it is our responsibility to tell everyone. It is God that does the saving. It is us that do the witnessing, that we are witnesses of these things. And the apostle Paul had declared the gospel to all men. As we go on to verse number 27, he said that I've declared unto you the whole counsel of God. I didn't pick and choose. I preached all of the word of God unto you. And then the apostle Paul takes time to declare (laughs) that Jesus Christ had purchased the church of God with his own blood. That Jesus Christ purchased the church of God with his own blood. Then he takes time to explain and give warning to the church. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 29. The book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. The apostle Paul says this. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Now verse 31 is very interesting because a lot of times people will apply it to the Apostle Paul pleading with people about the gospel. And I'm sure that the Apostle Paul did. But in the direct context that he's taking the church of Ephesus and for a space of three and a half or three years, he declared unto them this simple message that after I depart, grievous wolves shall enter among you. The apostle Paul had had experience with wolves. You look at the church of Galatia, that churches of Galatia as he went and he witnessed to them and saw many of them saved. that people came in afterwards and declared that they could lose their salvation. That made the Apostle Paul pretty upset. He's already had experience that this is what's going to happen. That as soon as he leaves, there are going to be grievous wolves that come in. There are going to be people, according to verse 30, also of your own selves. That means people within their own congregations. Shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So not after Christ, but after them. And for the space of three years, with tears in his eyes, the Apostle Paul warned the people of the church of Ephesus, warned those people that grievous wolves were to come in. Well, if the Apostle Paul had taken a space with tears in his eyes to warn people about the dangers of wolves, don't you think that is a a subject that needs to be addressed? Wouldn't you think that this is important enough that if the Apostle Paul, with tears in his eyes, spent three years trying to remind them and warn them and let them know that it's going to happen, that they need to watch out, they need to mark them, they need to prepare themselves, that perhaps we need to at least take a message and examine the dangers of wolves. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to take some time to explain, to do almost a topical study and examine the ideas of wolves. The very first thing I want to introduce to you is that wolves are dangerous and need to be avoided. Wolves are dangerous and need to be avoided. Now, (laughs) excuse me, if wolves are going to be avoided, 
they have to be marked. Notice with me a couple passages in scripture. Notice with me in the book of Romans chapter 16. The Bible speaks about this, that we are to mark them. That if we're going to avoid something, if we're going to say something is dangerous, you put up a marker. You put up something there to allow people to know this is dangerous. You put up beware of dog signs. You say beware of owner signs. You do all kinds of different signs to let people know there's something dangerous. There's something to be warned about. Notice if you don't mind in the book of Romans chapter 16. The book of Romans chapter 16 and notice with me in verse 17. The book of Romans chapter 16 and verse 17 the Bible says this. Now I beseech you brethren mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine to which you have learned and avoid them. Here in Romans chapter 16 verse 17 the apostle Paul is again speaking his chief uh, speaking to the church of Rome and he's telling them as he's closing off this letter that you need to mark those who are contrary to the work of God. Mark those that cause offenses and avoid them. Stay away from them. You mark them. You say that is a wolf. That is someone to be stay away from. That is someone to beware of and avoid them. We know in the context that the Bible is talking about in Acts chapter 20 that Men of your own selves. It's one thing to mark someone who's preaching on TV. It's another thing to be able to identify a wolf that's within our own congregation. If you don't mind, notice another book, <coughs> another passage that gives the same warning. The book of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. The book of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Again, just building up a premise that this is something that is talked about within the word of God. This isn't just something that someone sat around and said, you know, I think I need to come up with a cute message. But instead, this is something that has been given warning over and warning over and warning over. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. And notice with me in number 14. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Again, it's saying the same thing. Mark them and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. So we understand that wolves are dangerous. And because they're dangerous, they need to be avoided. They need to be marked. That is a wolf. People need to identify what a wolf is. Now, the reason why we say that is because most people do not even realize they are a wolf. Now, if someone is a wolf, they don't realize it. They have in their own mind that they're the hero. They believe in their own mind they're doing what's right. But they're contrary to scripture. They're contrary to the word of God. And they're trying to set up divisions. And they have their own plans. And because the people may not even realize they're a wolf, the rest of the sheep of the flock don't realize that there's a wolf in their mix. So we have to take time to teach what is a wolf so they could be marked for the purpose that they could be avoided. So that way the church of God is not destroyed, not attacked, not wounded. People aren't hurt, that the flock is spared. If you don't mind, <laughs> excuse me. When we teach about wolves, and I spent some time studying wolves and reading about wolves and seeing what other people said about wolves, that within a church, you cannot kill a wolf. You can't take someone out back and kill them. That's just not practical. And at the same time, you, you can't run them off. You can't, you know, 
how awkward is it to go and tell someone, hey, you can't come back to church? That gets awkward. But one thing you can do is expose them. You could preach clearly. You could expose them and identify what a wolf is. And the purpose is, is to make it so they don't have a hunting ground. So they don't feel comfortable in that place no more. And they'll move on to different pastors. But marking wolves are, ho- are hard because they like to blend into their surroundings. We'll talk about that in a second. But we start off with a premise that wolves are dangerous and they must be avoided. And in order to avoid them, you have to put a sign. You have to mark them. There's a second thing as we introduce this subject is that the Bible speaks about three types of wolves. The Bible speaks of three types of wolves. Now the word wolves is used 13 times within the word of God. And within those 13 times it describes three specific types of wolves. There are evening wolves. These are type of wolves that attack in the dark. That when Everyone else is having a hard time seeing when darkness is hitting a church. That's when they come. They go in the, in the darkness of night. They go in the time of crisis of a church. They come. They're called evening wolves. The Bible speaks about ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. These are wolves that come in and destroy. That with a hunger they just jump right in. And start ripping and destroying and killing and maiming. Then the Bible describes grievous wolves. Grievous wolves leave a trail of grief and sorrow and heartache behind. That a church that's been through a wolf attack, that you could see right behind them a trail of blood, a trail of tears, a trail of hurt, and people and lives that are damaged because of a wolf attack. Now, an interesting thing about wolves is that wolves will sing and cry in a minor chord. These recordings actually come from a wolf sanctuary. And when they begin to howl, it is in the minor chord. And it just lets you know that there's a danger coming. That it's something they need to be marked. Something that needs to be identified. Something you know that is dangerous when the wolves begin to howl. And they're preparing to attack. When they're preparing to destroy. And they must be marked. Now, when a pastor hears that wolf howl, when he hears it, the pastor knows that trouble is on its way. If you don't mind, may I describe some things about the wolves as through our study? Is that one thing is that wolves can detect a diseased animal long before an observed trainer can (laughs) see it. They have um, buffalo, excuse me, buffalo ranches, and they actually have trained wolves that they carry with them that are kept in cages and they're trying to uh, train them. They're always protected. They're always in control. And what they'll do is they'll take the wolves through the buffalo ranch and allow them to smell each of the buffalo to allow them to uh, detect them. And before the disease manifests itself, before a disease can come up and be observed, the wolf can smell it. And oftentimes, a wolf, when he gets around an animal that's about to be sick, that he'll start getting ready to stalk its prey because a wolf goes after those who are weak, goes after those that are alone, those who are old, those who are vulnerable, and they prepare. This is, again, I'm not even getting to the message. I'm telling you about nature, something that's studied, that wolves can smell out a diseased animal before the disease becomes apparent. Well, we know that inside of a church, that wolves are looking for a specific type of prey. They're not looking after the strongest. They're looking for those who are weak, who are tired, who are slipping away from the Lord. They could smell out those that haven't been in their Bible for a while. 
It's amazing how wolves can detect them. They could smell out those that haven't had their prayer life where it's more ritual. Now I lay me down to sleep or rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for this grub. But they could smell those that don't have the walk with the Lord. And they start to stalk them. They start to prepare for them. They start to look for ways to go ahead and have their meal. And they prepare for it. We understand that wolves are a dangerous thing. A second thing about wolves as they study wolves is that wolves, <coughs> excuse me, are, <coughs> is born for a crisis. Wolves are born for a crisis. Now, the thing about wolves is that they behave well until they smell blood. Because wolves have learned to camouflage themselves. People who have studied wolves have noticed that wolves have been observed to actually sleep a few feet away from their prey. Maybe they find a sheep that they like. That what they'll do is they'll get into the flock. And they'll make the flock so comfortable with them. That the, the wolf can actually sleep just a couple feet away. The people who've observed wolves have noticed that the wolves will come in. And sometimes they'll even rub noses with a sheep or with another animal. Just to kind of calm the animal down. And make them think that there is no harm. That's exactly what happens. Wolves know how to camouflage themselves. They know how to hide. They know how to prepare themselves. That wolves are, don't attack outright. They'll wait till they show themselves until they get a, a moment where they can get away with it and get attacked. We understand that wolves in a church do the same thing. That they can camouflage themselves. They can make themselves look just like a sheep. Again, this is why it's so hard to go ahead and identify wolves unless you're trained. That wolves can be in and they could sneak. What they'll do is they'll start riling people up. Something like this. Hey, what do you think about what pastor said the other day? Innocent question. With the idea that they start getting the person to start talking. With getting them criticized. Talking about what pastor did. And they start riling them up. And getting them prepared. And start preparing for it. They'll start going around. What do you think about what pastor did? What do you think about pastor said? By the way, that's gossip. It is absolutely gossip. And you know how Christians get away with gossip? I have a prayer request. Would you pray for pastor? I just don't know if he's making the right decision. That's exactly what they do. That's how we spiritualize gossip. And they'll start getting people riled up. They'll start asking everyone for the purpose of trying to get people to question pastor. And as they start riling up people against leadership. And they get enough people on their side. That's when they attack. They make sure that they can get the advantage. You know the Bible speaks about that in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 20. And 2 Samuel chapter 20, you don't have to turn there. But in verse 1, you have a man by the name of Shimei. And already David has dealt with uh, the attack of Absalom. And in 2 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1, what happens is that Shimei gathers up Israel, blows a trumpet and says, We will not have this man David rule over us. All Israel to your tents. He caused a rebellion, Shimei's rebellion. And what happened is that he got enough people riled up and prepared. And when he had enough people on his side, then he rebelled against the man of God that God had set aside. And that's how wolves, they're sneaky. They're born for, for 
a crisis. They wait. They wait until things are turning bleak. They wait until the bright opportunity. And then they start howling. And they prepare for the attack. We understand that wolves are born for a crisis. There's something else about wolves as you start studying wolves. Is that wolves have a carnal appetite. They love meat. They're meat eaters. And they don't mind any kind of meat. It doesn't have to be fresh. It could be rotten, nasty leftovers. And they'll come around and scavenge. And they'll begin to eat. And they'll start sniffing out. You know, inside of a church, that's why it's so important to leave the fleshy stuff out of church. That's why we have to guard our music. Because when you start allowing the world into to <coughs> the church, what happens is that the wolves start getting some feet. Uh, feeding grounds that they're no longer starving they love the flesh oh they don't mind weightlifters for the lord clowns for christ they don't mind jugglers for jesus they don't mind that sort of entertainment because it feeds the flesh and there's even types of wolves that it even doesn't have have to be that worldly they could slip something else in that as long as it's worldly, as long as it comes from the world and you slip into the church as something that's good, it may not be necessarily wrong, but it's not the best. It comes from the world and just start allowing some of that carnality into a church and it allows them to have a feeding ground. You know, if a church is doing what it should be and having everyone point to the Lord and everyone follow the Lord... Then a church, then a wolf will begin to starve because he doesn't have anything to eat. That's one of the reasons why we have to keep a church looking to the Lord, looking to the Lord, looking to the Lord. Stay with the old book. Stay with these old-fashioned things to be able to just the simplicity of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we examine and understand a little bit more about things about wolves. <coughs> is that wolves love a lamp. Wolves love a layup. What's a layup? A layup is something almost like a ledge. And wolves love to climb on top of a ledge. And like to look down at everything. They like to observe and know everything that is going on. And the people who study wolves, they see the alpha wolf sitting up on the ledge. And the alpha wolf will actually growl to let someone know their displeasure. So if someone walks somewhere they're not supposed to, and just with their facial expressions, with their growling, they could stand and just stare at someone. And a husband knows that he's in trouble. They love a layup. They love to be in charge without actually doing the work. That's why positions in a church is very dangerous. Because a wolf wants to have a position but it doesn't want the work. It doesn't want to go soul winning. It doesn't want to have to wait in line and run a bus route. It doesn't want those things. It wants to know the official song leader of the night services. They want something that makes them look good. They want everyone to recognize them. They want to know everything that was going on. Where that she can call everyone. She wants to be seen before all people. They like to have a layup. They like to have something that they could observe what is going on. They want to have the thing where <laughs> they have the ear of everyone. They can observe everything. They want to know everything that's going on. Even the stuff that's not some of their business to know. As we examine on. Now again I can give illustration and illustration and illustration. 
But I'm trying to give some of the nuts and bolts and just trying to examine that what it is. Someone who likes the layup in churches oftentimes, they won't go shake hands. They'll let everyone come to them. They'll often, before service or after service, stand in the one spot and allow everyone to come to where they are. Because they want people to recognize it's them. And it's a dangerous thing. <coughs> Something else is that wolves like to travel in packs. And all wolves want to be the leaders. Wolves like to travel in packs. And all wolves like to be a leader. It bothers wolves when the pastor has the heart and the leadership of the people. It bothers wolves when, when the pastor is clearly in charge. The Bible speaks about that in Numbers chapter 16 and verse 3. Where you have Korah stood before Moses the man of God and said, Hey, who put you in charge? We're all holy unto the Lord. We're all equal. Who put you in charge? Wolves don't like it when the pastor has the heart of the people. When the pastor's being pastor. They want to criticize. They love to do everything they can. Speaking of that, wolves attract other wolves. Like always attracts like. That's a law in biology. It's a law in chemistry. And to prove it, you just let kids go to camp. And you let a kid who's never gone to camp before, you give him a couple hours, he'll find his group. He'll find his like. That the troubled kids will find other troubled kids. Godly kids will find other godly kids. The jocks will find the jocks. The nerds will find the nerds. Like attracts like. And if there's a wolf that's in the church and some people, family start getting cozied up to a wolf, you know you got a family that is starting to lose their heart towards their pastor. That's why wolves need to be marked. Because wolves are dangerous. They'll try to draw people in. They're looking for those that are weak and trying to bring them away. You understand that someone is going to run the church. And it's either the person that God appointed to run the church or someone who's not meant to lead it is going to run it. But someone's going to be in charge. But wolves don't like it when the pastor's in charge. They do stuff like this. People have been coming to me. They like it that people have been coming to them. That they're important enough that the church people have decided to come to them instead of the pastor. You know you got a wolf when they start coming up. And to prove it, when, the people, when they come up, well, pastor, the people have been coming to me. And there's problems in the church. And I'm concerned. You ask, who? And if they don't tell you, you know you got a wolf. Because it should be the pastor the people are coming to. The pastor is the one. That if there's a problem in the church, you need to bring it to pastor. You need to go up there. There's something that's true that people will throw garbage into any open container. People will throw garbage into any open container. If you are open enough that people throw garbage your way, that is not good. Not good at all. You say, how do you deal with such a thing? You know... If you were to be honest and love your pastor and someone came up to you and said, you know, can you believe what pastor did? I could see that you have an issue with this. This is something that needs to be resolved. Hey, pastor, they have a question for you. That should be the proper way of responding to it. Pastor, hold on one second. Hey, pastor, someone's got a question for you. Can you speak to them? You say, well, what if that doesn't work? Well, one thing will be true. They won't come back to you and talk about pastor again. You cut it off. <laughs> it's amazing to see what happens. If you don't mind, I will give some personal illustrations. I did pastor before somewhere else. 
And uh, I preached a message, and I don't remember what it was about. But after service, some of the ladies congregated as they were on their way out in the foyer. And they began to talk about pastor's message. Well, you know, I don't believe that he said that. Okay, that's fine. My wife happened to catch that and said, oh, I'm sorry that you have an issue with pastor thing. If you don't mind, let's go get pastor. Maybe he could clarify this up. Maybe he could clear up the misunderstanding. Well, I can't believe the pastor's wife would say such a thing to me. And the lady went out called all the ladies in the church and said, you know, I don't think we should ever go back to that church ever again. And she convinced four ladies not to come back. But she came back that night and said, you know, I just believe that God led me that I should come back here tonight. There's a problem. There's something there. You know, you should be able to go and approach pastor. Pastors are not perfect. And we're not talking about personality conflicts. But if there is something wrong, talk to the person who can fix it. That's the idea of gossip, by the way. Gossip is telling someone who does not have the authority to fix the problem. Gossip is telling someone who doesn't have the authority to fix the problem. So if you go tell another church member about what pastor did, that's gossip. If another church lady talks about a different church lady, that's gossip. I can't believe that she smelled so bad. You laugh, but... Isn't there conversations that go, you know, it's gossip. And so gossip is one of the accepted sins of the church. And if gossip is allowed to go on, it brings a breeding ground (laughs) for wolves because wolves will start to get in the middle of it and they want everyone to come to them. Tell them all the problems. Tell them all the issues. Come on and tell me. Oh, thank you. And they know something that pastor doesn't know. And they start to take over leadership That isn't theirs to take. Something that's interesting about wolves is (laughs) that oftentimes you'll study alpha wolves and and, uh, the big masculine wolves. But it's amazing that as the people who watch wolves and study them observe, is that as the wolf travels, the alpha leads the pack. But every now and again, you you notice that he looks back to the left or to the right. And the people studying wolves were curious about this. Why would the wolf? Was he just looking for direction? Well, it found out that the alpha, white, alpha male often had an alpha wife. And that when she would walk to the left side, he would look back and she's in the left, he would turn the whole pack to the left. If she was on the right, he would look back, she's in the right, well, he turns the whole pack. It found out that there was the woman who was leading the thing the whole time. And that happens. There's often times where a female wolf will badger her husband. You go talk to pastor. Go talk to pastor. Come on. Come on. And badger the poor guy to go say, pastor, we got a problem with you. And the guy didn't have a problem with it. It was the lady who had the problem with him. And push him up to it. And that's an issue. That is something to, uh, to watch out for. Now, biologists have studied wolves. And if you're in, the, in, in a zoo or anything, they tell you that you don't lock eyes with a wolf, with an alpha wolf, because they take it as a threat to their authority. But in the spiritual realm, dealing with churches, pastors and church leadership cannot back away from a wolf. They need to look at them straight to the eye and not to give in to their demands, not to back up, not to go on. Because once they start maintaining control, there's an issue and wolves start getting ready to attack. If you don't mind, (coughs) something else about wolves is that wolves won't let a pastor pastor. 
Wolves won't let a pastor pastor. They won't trust God with why. I want to know why you won't let so-and-so teach a class. Well, you know that sometimes pastor knows more information than other people do. And there may be a good reason not to have someone. That it's no one else's business why. For example, I heard of a case of, of a youth group, a youth leader that wanted to take his, uh, the men, the young men, swimming at someone's private pool. And uh, he brought it up to the pastor and said, Pastor, we want to have a youth outing and there's not going to be any girls, no mixed swimming. We're going to have a special thing at this guy's house uh, with, with, um, <coughs> with a pool party. And we just want to get your permission. The pastor said, no, I don't think that's wise right at this time. Well, some of the people got it and they started. I can't understand why pastor wouldn't allow it to go on. I don't understand. Why wouldn't he let since, you know, he's just so narrow minded. He won't allow. Well, what they didn't know is that the pastor had suspected the man's house, uh, the man who owned the house of being homosexual. And he had a case built up, but didn't have enough proof that he could bring it publicly yet. But he was trying to protect. He was trying to protect those young people. And he couldn't say it publicly without hurting others. But the people rose up against the pastor and they were all upset. How come he can't? He had a reason. He wasn't just being mean. He was trying to protect the flock. There was another case that I heard of. Where where a young lady in the church was found to be expecting outside of wedlock. And note, you know, Mrs. Wigglejaw was ready to... To just crucify her. I just can't understand why pastor uh, isn't doing anything about it. I think we should just church her. We need to get rid of her out of the church. We shouldn't allow this to go on. And she went and told everyone that would listen. Until someone leaned by and said it was her son that was the father. Now she wanted pastor to help. Now she wanted pastor to restore them. But you know there's sometimes there's a reason. And the pastor may not be able to explain why he has a reason. Without Hurting others that don't need to know. But wolves don't like pastors to pastor. They don't like it at all. You know something else about wolves. Is that wolves will look for dead flesh. To take back to their wolf cubs. And spit it up for them. They'll eat anything. Chew it up. And they'll spit it out for their young to eat. And nourish them. How many times people on the ride home have roast pastor. And in front of the kids, they decide to tell everything that pastor did wrong. Well, he stood riffing. I can't believe he wore that tie. His socks weren't matching. Can you believe he said that in his message? Oh, you know, he, was, I, he shouldn't have said that at all. I don't agree with it. And they chew up pastor and they have roast pastor. And they do it in front of the kids. And what happens is that the kids begin not to trust pastor. And one day there's going to be a need that those kids need counsel. They need wisdom and they need direction. And they will not receive it from the man of God who wants to help them. Because their parents have had a roast pastor and fed it to the young. You know, wolves have a carnal appetite. (coughs) And they love just to keep all of the gossip in there. Like a young man coming up and said, hey, if you want to know anything about any other preacher, you let me know. I know all the dirt about all of them. By the way, that's a quote. Wolves love to get all the dirt and have all the information on everyone else. Ready to spit it back up because they've been keeping all that rotten, dirty meat. 
That shouldn't be something that we should carry. We should, if someone did something wrong, forgive them and let it go. But they have a problem. Now, <laughs> I've tried to do this without as many illustrations because I didn't want to keep you here for hours. I'm just trying to give you some points and some things to try to hit, help you out because there are wolves that you have to be aware of. There are people that you have to mark. And we're not trying to be mean. We're trying to spare the flock. We're trying to protect people from those that would like to hurt, those that would like to detract people away from God and following after him. So we bring it to the idea that the best defense for wolves is to have a good wolf dog. To have a good sheep dog. You guys remember Looney Tunes where he had Sam the, Sam the sheep dog that had the hair over and he had to raise it up to look and you find Wiley Coyote each and every time. Every church needs some good sheep dogs to be able to smell out wolves, to chase them, to let them know. So how do we train sheepdogs? How do we prepare and train people to make it so that wolves do not feel comfortable? Well, first of all, you stand with your pastor and you support him. You stand with your pastor and support him. Now, at the same time, I want to remind you that submission is not silence. It's saying the right thing at the right time, at the right place, with the right spirit. For example, if I say something foolish, and I am a public speaker, so I speak a lot of words, that's a lot of opportunity to say something foolish. But if I say something foolish, my wife doesn't stand up and say, I can't believe you said that, are you out of your mind? But what she does do is pull me aside in my office and say, you know, honey, you probably shouldn't have said that tonight. That probably wasn't wise. And she's trying to be a help to me. You understand? There's a difference there. Submission's not silent, saying the right thing at the right time, at the right place, with the right spirit. It's carrying the idea of submission to that authority. Hey, at the same time, if somebody starts talking bad about your preacher, ask them, hey, you talking about my preacher? I heard of a story, Larry Brown actually said this story once, that he went to go visit a disgruntled member's house, and he had a young Christian with him, big burly man, and... The, the uh, disgruntled person began to say all kinds of things bad about the preacher. And before the preacher could even think, that man got up, knocked the guy to the down and said, Don't you ever say anything bad about my preacher. Don't you ever. If you even think about saying, if I even hear anything about you saying something about my preacher, I'm going to come back again. You know, wouldn't you be surprised that guy never said anything bad about the preacher ever again? You say, do you condone such action? Well, I can't control everything a church member does. But... <laughs> When I was an assistant to the pastor, that was part of our job, was to have um, sheepdogs that were always looking bad. And, you know, there's a difference between personality conflicts. There's some people that just, you know, have an issue with this. But we're talking about when someone's attacking the pastor, saying something bad about the pastor. And it was our job to go have a talk with them. And I had three other guys, and I was the smallest of the guys. We'd meet them outside in the parking lot and say, listen, you're not going to say anything bad about my pastor. My pastor's not perfect, but he's my pastor. My pastor may have some faults, but he's the man of God and he's growing. And you don't need to say anything wrong about my pastor again. You know, sometimes that will go a long way. When people start talking bad about your pastor, what good is it going to do for you to hear them? To say, stop. You don't need to talk about my pastor. If you have an issue with him, go talk to him. He'll be glad to talk with him but I don't need to hear you saying something bad about my pastor. You know, something simple as that can make it where a wolf doesn't feel comfortable inside of a congregation. We're taking away the wolf's hunting ground when he can't find someone 
to start building up a coalition against the pastor. A second thing, as you're training a good wolf dog, is don't be an open container. When people start complaining and gossiping, close it down. Bring them to the source. If you have a problem with Mrs. So-and-so, let's go get it fixed. But don't let the complaining go on. Don't let the gossiping go on. Again, gossiping is the accepted sin of the church, but it opens up a breeding ground for wolves and their carnality. You know a third thing, and just something that's not often think of, is to protect the pastor's wife. To protect the pastor's wife. You know one thing about the pastor's wife is that everyone yells at her, but she has no power to do anything about it. It's, it's the pastor that has the thing, but everyone goes to the pastor's wife. And they'll yell and complain and, and protect the pastor's wife. Ladies, if you see someone that's starting to get sideways with the pastor's wife, protect her. Because you know what Satan does? If he can't knock down a man of God who's standing, he'll go for his wife. He'll send a wolf to start trying to tear her up and try to hurt her. And if the pastor's wife is hurting, the pastor is going to have a hard time moving forward because his responsibility is to take care of his wife. You have to take care of his wife. Guard her. In fact, we have other churches represented. May I tell you this? The greatest way to keep your pastor encouraged is to keep your pastor's wife encouraged. Guard her. Love her. Protect her. Because she is a great resource and a great help to your pastor. And I know you're our pastors, let me tell you. Your pastors could not be the man of God without their wives. They need them. And you have to protect them. If you don't mind, the goal of all of this is to make a place unwelcome for wolves. Wolves need to know that they can hunt, find prey, find a layup in the place. But it, the wolves won't stay around if you make it uncomfortable, if you make it where they can't get fed, if they can't go hunting, they can't find a layup, then what will happen is that wolves will move on and they'll move on and go away. You see, all of this is for the protection of our churches, protection of the flock, which is God's flock. And we have to beware of wolves. Wolves want to kill. They want to destroy. They want to leave a trail of sorrow. But we have to mark those that cause offenses. Mark those that are contrary to God's word. Mark those that want to do harm to others. And we have to identify them and what they look like, what they smell like, what they, those that are trying to build up, draw men unto themselves. We have to be careful. Blowing the whistle on the wolves. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308.
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.